0: Welcome to the Set Yourself Free podcast, real stories from ending emotional abuse and taking your life back. I'm your host, Carrie Veach, owner of Set Yourself Free. I'm a life and success coach that believes we all have limitless potential within us if we have the right tools and support. Trauma or past hurt might be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the entire story. We all have different versions of what freedom means, and I'm here to help you unlock your perfect version of it. Join us for season two, where we follow four extremely courageous women who share their stories of what it actually takes to get to the other side of trauma and abuse. Through their stories, you will know that you are not alone, that shame only grows in secret, and that it does get better on the other side but hearing their stories, you will gain insight, tools, and practical ways that you can access the power inside of you. All of the magic is waiting for you, and we simply need to tap into it. These women will give you the courage and strength to find your freedom. Let's dive in. How did you first know that something was wrong and needed to change? Olivia,
1: well, I I would say like one of my darkest days was the day that I actually went into labor with my second son. Um, I just remember like going into labor that morning, and I just felt like a, you know my ex, we'll I'll just call him that, like he, he felt like he was a million miles away. Like he was there, but he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was literally like walking into the hospital. And he was like, not even walking with me. And I was like, this is not normal. Like, Mm. but I was also so like, I was literally physically in labor. And also (laughs) it had been just like such a rocky few months that I was like, again, like, okay, maybe this is nothing. He's probably just nervous. And like, I would always take all the responsibility for it, you know, but I, he was not paying attention. He was on his phone the entire time. I remember like one of the nurses yelling at him at one point and being like, put down your goddamn phone and help her. Um, but I, at the, at the time I remember like saying to myself, I'm not letting him like ruin this experience. I'm not letting him ruin this. Like I'm not letting this stuff get in the way of like having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the darkest times. And then I remember being really sad because you know, we had only planned to ever have two kids. And I was like, damn, this sucks. Like, this is the last time I'm going to be pregnant. The last time I'm going to have a baby. And like, this is how I'm going to remember it. Mm. Um, and I feel bad about that. I mean, now things have changed. So God knows. I mean, I don't think I'm going to have any more children, but who knows? (laughs) But that was when I was like, this is not the person. Like I knew the person I thought I was in a relationship with. I literally felt like he was a stranger. Mm. Um, And again, like I took a lot of responsibility. I was like, okay, I'm like literally having a baby. You you know, I I didn't ever like blame him. I just took it all on as like, I must be the problem.
0: Mm, Which often seems to be the theme of women I talk to around these issues, right? It's like, it must be me.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. The the whole thing. I was like, it's me. It's everything. He could have literally burnt my house down and I'd be like, but I left matches on the table.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So did you feel like your experience with your second son was completely different than your experience with your first son or how were you able to kind of like navigate that in terms of knowing something was wrong?
1: Yeah. I mean, like an overall like parenting, I actually think, um, Chris Kardashian said this once she said, having one kid is one kid, but having two kids is 20. And so like, (laughs) I felt like that, like, I, I mean, having one kid, I remember we were like in zone defense, like you didn't always have to have a person on you, you know, but like having two kids, it was like man to man all the time. And that was really, I mean, it was really hard for me to go from one to two kids the birthing experience itself, I think like with my older son, it was, it was our first child. It was the first grandchild on both sides. It was like a big celebration, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then when, when Mabby was born, um, I don't, I don't know, it just felt different. Um, but I really think it was the distance that was between my ex and I that made it. Um, I mean, it was still like a grade. I remember when he was born, I was like, oh my God, it's you. I didn't know if I was having a boy or a girl, um, either time, but I remember, and since going to like many psychics and healers after his birth, like, I know I've lived lives with my second son before and I didn't feel that way with, with my older son. I was like, oh my God, what is this baby? And why is it here? (laughs) So They were very different, but both of them had like, you know, I don't think any like bad parts in the actual like bringing a child into the world component. But like, you know, there was positive and less positive sides
0: of each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just like felt something that day. Like you could- Oh my God, I
1: literally was like this. I I think there had been other days before that I was like, this is not going to last. But I knew that I was like the relationship. I mean, I knew that I did not want to be a single mother with a newborn because I could barely handle like having one kid and being pregnant without the help. Yeah, um, and I run a very big company, so like, yeah, it's it just I, I knew I like couldn't do it alone, and you know, as I'll, as I'll continue to tell you the story, like it, it for being a messed up situation, like me finding out the actual truth, like after my second son turned one was like the biggest godsend ever because if I had to be a single mother with like an infant, I just don't know that I would have been able to survive it.
0: Mm. Which always is fun. Not I don't know if fun's the right word, but looking back, right? Because then we're able to see like the threads and the moments where it's like, oh my gosh, this this was working out for me versus like this victim mentality of like, why the hell did this have to happen this way? Cause now you're able to say, like, oh my gosh, like there's no way I could have handled this the year before. Exactly. Like I I spent a lot of time. I mean, it was just over
1: a year ago that. Um, Like I really discovered everything that was going on, but I remember like the first few months after I was literally every day, just reframing it as like the best thing that ever happened to me because (laughs) it like, it was the only way to like, to reason it, you know, it was the only way because I've always felt like I'm a really good person. I give everyone 110%, like, you know, even having a second child, it was like, I, you know, he wanted it, I don't know if more than I did, like we would disagree on that, but like he had one, you know, he had one sibling. We didn't, you know, he didn't think we should have an only child and, you know, but I, I, but then now I'm like, I can't imagine if like things hadn't transpired exactly how they had, you know.
0: Yeah. Shelby.
2: Well, those are two different questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I I knew something was wrong maybe around 11. I was pretty young. I had started smoking cigarettes quite a bit um, and, you know, started venturing into the world of drugs and alcohol not long after that Mm -hmm. and was highly anxious and just felt myself getting more and more quiet Mm -hmm. and more and more kind of hiding and compartmentalized in my life. And um, yeah, I mean, back then I was like sleeping in my closet sometimes and really didn't have people to talk to. I didn't even know how to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people outside my bedroom door mostly thought I was fine. (laughs) And so I was just kind of stuck in my own little world of madness. And it started as little as 11, probably when it started getting bad. And then um, I think I realized I needed help. Maybe my last year of high school, Mm -hmm. Um, I went to an incredible School. I I was essentially asked to leave my home, but was told we'll take care of it wherever you want to go. And so I chose whatever school I wanted to go to, and it was a school where we camped for nine months. Oh wow! And we our tents, and we went rock climbing and traveled the Western United States and Alaska and Costa Rica. And the teachers in that program changed my life. Mm. They were the first people to really reflect back to me that they were really concerned for me Mm. (laughs) and that they could see that I had a light and they really helped care for that light. Mm. And, um, well, not much changed for me that year. It was, I did my junior and senior year in one. I've always carried how much they cared about me Mm. with me and it's kept me going. And they were the first people to really go, what happened? (laughs) What happened? And I started realizing I need some help.
0: That is powerful. Yeah. Like just to have those people to see something and to speak to it, to put words to it when you feel like, I don't know how to have words. I don't know how to talk about this, right? Like you talking about how at the age of 11, you knew something was wrong, but had no idea how to talk about it. And then to have people planted in your life that could speak words you couldn't speak, like, that's amazing.
2: It was such a gift and it's how I ended up there. I have no idea, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm so glad I did. And it's shaped my entire life, you know, being introduced to the outdoors and nature in a really incredible way. And it really, you know, put me on it whole different path than I was, I think I was probably headed for.
0: Elizabeth.
3: Eventually I started to um, wake up from that through pure pain. Uh, So if you have this experience in your life, if you um, have a history with these sorts of individuals or types of um, relationships on the planet uh, there's typically a discard phase where like everything is so perfect and they're like, they, they know exactly what you want and they will give it to you or, for, or future fake, give it to you or right. Cause they're trying to keep you in locked in so oh. that they can keep extracting the um, narcissistic fuel or supply uh, mm-hmm. in the form of emotional energy. Just, they don't care, love, hate, whatever, to doesn't matter. So um, where, um you know, they everything seems super perfect, but then there's a discard phase where it's just kidding, right? And things start to be confusing in your I remember when it happened and I was like, who is this person? And I didn't my son was three or four. I or was it? it was the 2012. It was like the Mayan 2012 thing. Um, so he would have been three um and a half turn about to turn four. And um the and you're like, well, you're so confused, so yeah. confused. Um, and I felt trapped. Uh, I was in this home with like all these people, their finances were mingled. Like how, what would I even do? Um, it's, it, it's deeply confusing. And I just got to a point we, where I was so, um, it, I felt like I was going crazy. I felt like I was going crazy um, mm. because of, like that is what, cause there's all these lies floating around and sure. like these, these false con- constructs that you believe to be true, like on good faith and they never work. And, um, another big thing that you develop when you come out of these relationships is discernment and trusting mm-hmm. like your own inner wisdom of your body. Yep. Like now I have the best narcissist body meter. I'm like, I can't even tell you why, but I know this person is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It is. My body tells me mm-hmm. I just know, um, and, uh, it was like a literal awakening like where I felt, uh, I felt like something on my head. Like it felt like an egg and, um, it felt like it cracked and it was cool energy, like going down my whole body, mm-hmm. cool, 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 like slow, like, like, um, like gel or something or like a slow moving liquid, cool. And it woke up my, it like literally like woke me up and I was like crying at, and that was in three weeks, I was like, "What am I doing? what am i can 't stay here like
0: um, so you just had this moment like literally just happened that you were like, Oh my gosh, like holy shit, i can't be here this is not this is not me
3: yeah, yeah, and that it woke it woke me up and it and it allowed me to move into like if you i was reading a lot about Ascension at the time and like that whole genre of spiritual awakening stuff, um which was useful and um trying to understand what was happening with me and really felt myself more calm and like a more loving person. Mm. Um, and then, um, I didn't wake up to, Oh, this person is a narcissist, like whatever, you know, but I woke up to like, something is off. Mm. So I, but I will fix it through being like the most loving person on the planet because over functioner, Right here, right. right, right. Total overfunctioner.
0: Well, and it's like uh, a natural thing. I mean, especially in these situations. I mean, so many women I talk to. Right, it's the natural tendency to take it on as as you. It must be yeah. you. You must be able to fix it. There's something yep. here in yourself that, like, okay, we can we can do this. We can rearrange
3: this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And um, just try to to come from that like more loving space. And as I was doing that, he actually ended up um, this is trigger warning for your, for your podcast people for sexual assault. Um, He actually ended up sexually assaulting me a couple times through coercion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just didn't feel like I could say no, given the circumstances that he had put, well, if you do this and if you promise to this and I promise I'll blah, blah, blah. Right. If you promise to never say no, or if it's a maybe then, then right everything will be okay or whatever and of course like this is what I wanted and so I didn't feel that I could say no and there was a whole history of throughout a whole relationship I mean of course with that much of a power difference he's 36 years older than me he was a teacher I was 18 right there's right that's yeah that's sort like I eventually realized later as after I had left and that sexual coercion by definition is sexual assault and I was felt like, wow, I just really had this whole relationship of, it was not a sexual relationship. This was sexual assault right? mm. the whole, the whole time, right? Mm. Because of the power difference and the ways that he would manipulate and use cultural narratives and, well, women should want this or that, or like, don't you want this or, right? It was very dark and manipulative. And I had no clue,
2: mm.
3: no clue that it wasn't normal. Um, well, and
0: especially I, starting a relationship so young. I mean, it's kind of like, how could you, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every, I think other people start them when they're that young, but not with someone who's 36 years older than them. Exactly, personality (laughs) disorder. So um, yeah, exactly. It's very, very um, vulnerable. Of course, that's what they typically want. Like again, these types typically want that because they need people who are easy to control and manipulate. And if someone is more aware, is older, then that's not so easy. Yeah. And I remember when this this happened at towards at the very end of my marriage, um, I disassociated and I was like watching myself from across the room. I was, I, and then I finally heard I could hear this voice in my head screaming no. Mm. And I I real, because I had been doing more research and kind of the more spiritual awakening journey, I realized oh wait that's like my soul, <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> my inner voice is screaming no. I should probably listen, and I had not. Hmm. tuned into any of that like nothing and it was funny because through like this cultish situation because it was all like we're a spiritual family and we're your guides and like we are angels on the planet there was a whole narrative Mm -hmm. right that it's sort of just like all religion like it it installs a fake program in the space for like true spiritual knowing and so it's like it's almost occupying that spot it's like when you plug in a usb you can't plug in another usb Right. That's like my USB was filled with this false spiritual narrative. And so I was never actually in touch with like my true self, like my full spiritual self, my my soul led. Like I it was filled with something else. And it was just when I realized that, I just feel like that's such a mind-blowing moment where um again there are all these different structures that I came to understand really well, like family, right? Mm-hmm. And like love. Um I didn't experience love. I experienced grooming. Like, that's grooming for um, you know, uh like sexual coercion, molestation for um grooming for like narcissist groom you um uh, for manipulation. Um and so I've been completely undoing <laughs> my structures of relationship and love um over the past three years as well. Um, but yeah, so religion also it really was a good model for how that worked. And um and that's what really helps solidify for me. Like I need to leave. Like I tried, like I feel like I'm a much more evolved. Like I feel much more like me and in trying to give this to this person, this terrible thing happened and there's no way I could ever return to having a sexual relationship with this person. Um, something is deeply wrong. I need to get, I need to leave.
4: Sarah. It's that's such an interesting question. The first time that I actually knew something was wrong was the first time he yelled at me, like within mm. a few weeks of dating, mm. <laughs> which is, I mean, I'm, I'm not laughing because it's funny, but it's like, I, mm. I was like, this isn't normal. And yet by that point I was hooked. Yeah. I was so hooked in it almost, I don't want to say that it didn't matter, but it kind of didn't. Huh. You know, yeah, which is so it's so odd, and yet that is like I'm just you know being true to yeah, yeah, you know, like my experience, right? I remember in January of, um, you know, we had met in the fall of the year before, and then the January like that, you know, after New Year's, after which was like a few months, right? I remember lying in bed awake. And like reading an article about like how to know if somebody's brainwashing you. (laughs) And it's still like, it was like, there were so, and I remember even thinking like, like I, like one, I felt afraid. Mm. I felt afraid to leave. He was already living in my house. I was hooked. I was hooked on the highs and the lows and the adrenaline and like just all of that roller coaster stuff that happens when you're being abused, whether it's, you know, for me, it was verbally, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, and sometimes physically, but most often, you know, Mm. emotional and psychological. So that, but to answer the question, that's, I mean,
2: I kind of
4: knew something was wrong. Something was off from very close to the beginning, which is difficult and and relieving to admit at the same time, because it's just the truth.
0: Yeah, but very honest, right? I mean, which I appreciate mm-hmm. because I think there there is no shame in that. Like, there's just not. And recognizing these things and then going, yeah, but I still, I was hooked in all these things you just said, right? And of course you stayed because it wasn't just like, oh, I shouldn't be treated this way. I should walk out the door now. Like, you were already in it. Yeah. And it's
4: very difficult to sift through that level of confusion when it's happening mm. <laughs> on all of these different levels. And you've, you know, like, oh crap, like this person's living with me now. Like he just moved in. I'm going to like kick him out. I mean, there's just that survival brain kicks in so fast. And by ja- mm. by January of that year, I had already been living in that state for months, even though there was some part of me that was like, Oh, like maybe you should Google <laughs> articles about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like, there was still this little part of me that was like reaching for any sanity that I could muster as like yeah. part of that survival web of like, how the hell do I just get through another day without like, you know, dying basically. Uh... Cause I was legitimately afraid of him.
0: Um yeah.
4: So I hope that I,
0: yeah, <laughs> I hope that no, makes I sense. Think, I mean, I think it's very honest and I think it's very mm-hmm. true to your story of honoring that, of saying like, yeah, I knew something initially, but I stayed in it and that's okay.
4: Yeah. And I, I imagine that's probably true for many of us. And so thank you for letting me share so <laughs> openly and authentically about that.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved speaking to each of these four women and getting to hear more of their stories and sharing their gifts around how in the world they started listening to their gut or their intuition and how terrifying it can be and how much the world wants to tell us that the answers that we seek are external and that the answers to anything is external. And I just know it's not true. And I know that our intuition is always trying to speak to us. And really the question is, are we willing to listen? Are we willing to sit in silence? Are we willing to do the uncomfortable thing? And so I hope you're as encouraged by each of these stories as I am, that it's not always easy and it's not always rainbows and butterflies and the path to healing is a bunch of bumps and bruises along the way, but I promise it's worth it. I promise. So I am so encouraged by these women and their willingness to share what it looks like to listen to their intuition, to be brave and to be courageous in also sharing it with the world and sharing it with each of our listeners. So know that you are not alone And it's okay if you feel like you don't hear your intuition, if you have no idea what we're talking about, and if it doesn't resonate with you yet. Um, My challenge, just keep getting still, be willing to get silent, as uncomfortable as it might be, Maybe it starts as one minute a day, maybe it's two, Um, but as you build the practice and as you are able to shift and change your internal stories, it does get better. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so honored and I'm so grateful to share each of these women's stories with you. So we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Set Yourself Free podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here supporting me and supporting these incredibly brave guests. If you can do me a favor and take one minute to share this episode with someone that needs to hear it, I would be so grateful. And if you are willing, please go leave us a review. Each month, I will be choosing a reviewer to give a free session to as a thank you for listening. One thing I know for certain in this lifetime is that we will forever be as sick as our secrets. Shame has no ability to grow when we share our stories in safe places. I'm more encouraged than you could possibly know by those that are willing to speak up and help all of us know that we are not alone. So don't forget, head on over to my website at setyourselffreellc.com grab your free journal and book a free 30 minute call with me to talk about the number one mindset block stopping you from the life you want. And one thing you can do this week to shift it. Thanks again for being here and we will see you next week.